You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Not alone in the studio time. It's going to take a little bit of time to adjust to this time. Hope I got some of the old microphone levels in the studio where they need to be time. Big, big fun weekend for the Vols time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very, very pleasant, I would say, uh, Thursday afternoon, just afternoon. Not sure, not sure exactly uh, when we're going to, when we're going to release this one today. Got a couple things to do this afternoon, but uh, it'll probably be at the latest early evening when you're listening to this. So I hope your Thursday is going well, unless of course it's Friday or Saturday, in which I hope your Friday or Saturday is going well. As I said a second ago, not just me in this studio, we've got Grant Ramey, who is over here at Fort Rucker Studio because Josh Heupel just finished talking to us about two miles away. So, Grant, do you, do you enjoy being in this room that's got half work stuff and half stuff we're trying to figure out where to put because we don't know where the nursery is going to be? I feel like I'm behind the scenes of a podcast recording, like I shouldn't be in here, but I'm here. I'm like watching somebody work. I'm job shadowing. It is weird, right, how much our world has changed in the past what, 18 just months a little or bit. whatever? Just a, just a tad. <laughs> this whole thing started. This whole thing started. And, and I mean, it's not where the pandemic started, obviously. That would have been in, you know, Wuhan. But you and I were in Nashville. Uh, SEC tournament. Yeah. Bridgestone Arena with about 200 other media members in a room. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the tennis, then the, the Tennessee-Alabama game uh, gets canceled before it starts. The tournament's over. You and I are figuring out. Okay, can we can we stay in a hotel? Is that right? They were rolling in here. They were rolling in at Bridgestone before everything got canceled. They were rolling in flatbed carts of hand sanitizer stations to set up because there are so many media members in that. It's a big room, but we were all in that same area, watching schools get canceled and seasons get canceled, and then we went back to a hotel room and I laid in a hotel room and watched uh, the NBA get canceled and. Yeah. Every, the NHL and it just you know everybody knows the story from there. And sitting in the hotel, like what? What can we? Can you touch anything yeah, here? Is, this, is, is, is this, it good to shower? Is it bad to shower? Like what? Is this safe? What are we? What are we doing? Has this been cleaned? And now here we are, a year and a half later, or whatever it's been. And someone, uh, this is the first time someone has been back in the studio with me. And had I known that, I might have spent last night uh, finishing some of these. Uh, getting ready for the the baby projects that we're doing. Nonetheless, great to have you here. Uh, And it's a good time to be here, frankly, because uh, just a couple miles away from here in a couple days, Tennessee plays what is maybe – people have been saying it's the most anticipated Tennessee regular season game or or game at Neyland Stadium since Oklahoma in 2015. I'm not positive about that because there was a time when Florida came here during the Pruitt era that felt like it was a really big game. Uh, if I remember, you know, that may have been like the six turnover fest or whatever that was. It just turned into an absolute nightmare. But regardless, this is clearly on the Mount Rushmore of most excited Tennessee fans have been for a home game. The, the game's going to be sold out. Checker Neyland, Lane Kiffin coming back, 13th ranked Ole Miss coming back or coming to town. And it kind of feels like a game that Tennessee's not supposed to win, but maybe looks a little more possible than it did a couple weeks ago. Uh, with Vegas only instilling or opening Ole Miss as a three-point favorite, there's excitement. There's buzz in the area. There is, and only a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, "No, that's no, there's no chance they win that game." I was, I was the one being dismissive. Remember the yeah. famous "It's fine" comment. I, I expected you to wait, and then if Ole Miss won that game, then spike the ball like you did against Mississippi State. I mean, year. you have to give Hypo and his staff credit for what this week feels like where this program is after six games under them. I mean, the real shame is the last two weeks only compound the frustrations from that Pittsburgh loss because of your 5-1 and one right here. This is a matchup between two top 15 teams. Yeah. 
But the fact is, even with it, you're four and two. You've scored a hundred and whatever many points the last two weeks. You've scored twenty eight points in back to back first quarters, and you've you've ran teams out of the building. Uh, and you've got the energy and the buzz back to where you've sold out the stadium a couple weeks removed from where you barely had 80,000 in the stadium. And given that opponent was Tennessee Tech and all that stuff that goes into that, but still, the fact is that they've performed as much as they've performed to get fans back in the building and their you know fans reward as, as well as they've played the last two weeks. And people like you know kind of the more national media folks say, well, Tennessee beat up on a couple bad SEC teams. Well, Tennessee is a bad SEC team. On paper, that's what Tennessee is. Those are Tennessee's peers, South Carolina and Missouri. I mean, Tennessee's in that area. So for what they've done the last two weeks, to have this kind of week, it feels like they kind of deserve it. But it's a, it's, it's a credit to the staff of where they've got them and how they've had them playing in the time they've been here. Yeah, because you don't want to get – you know, too far ahead of the skis. And, and so often that's been an issue. And, and I understand fans are fans, right? You can't expect fans to always be realistic. I mean, you know, fans sort of short for a fanatic. We have to remember that. You know, that's just how it goes. And, and, and people love Tennessee football. It's one of the bigger fan bases, you know, in the country. It, it's a very proud fan base. It's been kicked around. But regardless, there still seems to be a little bit of a sky is falling or everything is outstanding and nothing in between. And, you know, I think what the past two weeks have proved, and I think this is super important, no matter what happens the rest of the season, Tennessee has proved the past two weeks that despite everything it's been through the past, you know, in the past 14 months, 12 months, and then compounding that with everything that happened before, despite all of that, Tennessee is not in the bottom tier of this conference. If you go out there and you beat Mizzou and South Carolina like that, we all know what Vandy is. I haven't played that game yet, but we know what Vandy is. You've proved if you're Tennessee, you are not on that tier. You know, it, you are not at the kids' table at Thanksgiving dinner. You're not. You're you're sitting with the. You know, you might be sort of smushed in there with the adults, but you're with the adults. Now the question is, you know, you know Tennessee's not at the kids' table, and you know it's not like the matron or, or patron of the family. It's not the Godfather. It's not you know Alabama, Georgia. It's not there, and it's not in the lowest tier. Where in the middle? does Tennessee go? Is Tennessee, you know, kind of on its own, just above that bottom tier, but not with the middle tier? Or is Tennessee right there in that middle tier? Is it a team that can compete with, oh, I don't know, the, you know, I'd I'd say Florida's closer to the upper tier, but, you know, we'll see. Um, You know, I think historically that that's certainly the case. You know, that that's where you're kind of, you know, Kentucky, where they all, you know, Arkansas will miss that LSU, Auburn, that sort of group there. Uh, where is Tennessee in that group? Uh, does it is it in the middle of that group? Is it at the bottom of that group? Well, we'll get a couple times over the next few weeks to see that. But I think it's already, I don't want to say refreshing because it's not like you can ever say, whoo-hoo, we're not last. But when you're looking at the scope of a rebuild like this, knowing that you are not the absolute caboose has got to be a good thing for this program, right? For sure. And I think the... Um... I don't know. From the Tennessee fan perspective, it's probably you're probably wondering how long does this last? Like, is this too good to be true? Like, they're going to come in and they have a bunch of parts that they just kind of got thrown together. I mean, Hinton Hooker committed to Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was still the head coach, and here he is as one of the most efficient quarterbacks uh, in the country right now. So you're wondering, is this here to stay? Are they going to be scoring points like this all year, or is this just two exceptionally bad defenses they've played over the last two weeks? Obviously, Ole Miss does not have a very good defense either. Uh, coming into Neyland Stadium Saturday night. So you have to wonder, like, you know, if you find a way to beat Ole Miss, then you're talking about maybe you can find a way to beat Kentucky and think about eight wins, which is insane when you didn't take care of business against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is. I mean, Pittsburgh is – you would love to go back and replay that game. However, sometimes a a journey is kind of its own thing. and, And you may not be where you are right now if you had beaten Pittsburgh and you hadn't had that reality stirring you in the face, if you hadn't had that punch right to the gut, maybe you don't make the corrections that you need to make going forward. Maybe you don't just say, here, Hendon Hooker, this is your offense for now. Maybe you don't say, you know, hey, here's what we're doing defensively. You don't say, you know, you just maybe things go differently. Maybe they don't learn lessons if they go ahead and win that game because sometimes you can, you can skirt by and win a close game like right. that. And you think in your head, we're okay. We figured it out. Well, eventually you keep doing that and you're going you're gonna to lose. The butterfly effect is too complicated to just say. If sure. this happens, it's going to be different. But, I mean, 
to credit the staff again, it's the brand of football they're playing, the way they score points. And Tennessee's defense does not just go on the field and, and Olay until the offense gets back on the field and give up seven quick seven points and you're just going back and forth, back and forth down the field. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the conference in tackles for loss. I mean, they, they play an exciting brand of defense just kind of like they play an exciting brand of offense. I think it's aggressive on both sides of the ball, and I think that's why you've seen Tennessee fans kind of reward this program in terms of they're just excited to have a nice – product exciting product to watch on the field it's not three yards in a cloud of dust and play defense it is go score some points and go try to sack the quarterback and go try to get off the field on defense and get your offense back to score again as quickly as possible Uh, and you're seeing the 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 benefit of that is having a sold out stadium on a Saturday night checker kneeling and all that stuff in a winnable game that could build momentum huge for down the road yeah there's nothing more fun than winning games and competing for championships there's nothing more fun than that uh, but being an entertaining football team is probably the second best thing you can be and that's why i probably wrote that same version of a column two or three times in the off season because there's only so many different things you can write at times and i kept saying i don't think this team can be great i don't think the pieces are there but it could be fun maybe and Just if don't you, be boring yeah like look at what Ole miss did last year in the first year of kiffin you know you felt like you had to watch them you know, they didn't really beat many people they weren't supposed to beat. They kind of won the games they should have won, lost the games they should have lost, by and large. But, by God, they were fun to watch. And and Tennessee, for, the, you know, the past couple weeks at least, and in the first, what, what 40 minutes against Florida, 35 minutes, was fun to watch. Right. You know, they don't get a lot of sacks, but they get a lot of tackles for loss. Uh, they they run stuff. Like that 45-yard touchdown run that Tyon Evans had against um, against South Carolina – was not just a case of his athleticism just winning out the day. Now, it did get him past the second level and gone, but the way they set up that play, looking like it was going to be a quarterback power, and then boom, just hitting you back the other way, the decisions that they make on this offense and the speed at which they're doing it, it's really, really impressive because they have to compartmentalize this thing so efficiently because they'll run three or four plays in a row from from kind of different formations, completely different blocking schemes, and they'll have like a half a second in between plays. It's really, really hard to handle this offense. Uh, Now, what you're seeing on Saturday is an offense that is doing a lot of the same stuff, probably the better players. So, you know, that's where things get tricky because it's, you know, Ole Miss is having fun saying checkers versus chess, but – there are a lot of people who would say these offenses, you know, Ole Miss has certainly, you know, maybe the best quarterback in the college game. I mean, that guy's phenomenal. He's so good. Um, and, and they've got some of those little jitterbugs on the outside that give you problems. they got a big battering ram and Connor that can, that can barrel over you. They've got guys, a bunch of receivers, tight ends. They've got guys. And, and so I, I shouldn't say guys. They've got some dudes. So this game – is so fascinating to me, not just because the people are excited for it, but because the actual matchup itself looks really fun. You know, I was talking to um, probably, what, like 20, 30 minutes ago, I was talking to, to Bob Kessling, and I basically just went over there and kind of, you know, gave him a little jab on the arm, and I was like, hope you are hope you got some uh, some energy going on Saturday night, Bob. Hope you, he's like, oh, Prepare God. that voice. He was like, he was get like, some honey in the booth. He was like, don't get me started. I was like, oh man, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna have no idea what's going on. You can't, you can't, no one can have any idea what's going on. And he was like, you know, maybe it'll be a surprising 20 to 17 kind of game. I was like, nah. I mean, it really does feel like that, that Spider-Man meme where it's the two Spider-Mans mm-hmm. looking at each other. I mean, and you can go back to 2020 and there were times where I was watching that old Miss team last year thinking Tennessee fans would kill to have this an exciting head coach yes. uh, an exciting quarterback an offense that puts up a ton of points an offense that can keep you in games where you're overmatched like at, the, at that Alabama game last year in Oxford where they just went back and forth down the field scoring a ton of points on both sides Tennessee would kill to have that and that's why I think Lane Kiffin's name was mentioned so much when Pruitt was out that Tennessee fans just wanted that kind of brand of football and it feels like Tennessee is kind of right now in a very similar position to where Ole Miss was and if that plays out kind of the same trajectory if Tennessee's a top 15 team midway through the year in 2022 I mean that's huge that's the direction you want to go and really I mean this game feels like it's a lot more even than it is Ole Miss ahead of Tennessee because nothing from that Ole Miss defense has been all that impressive at least with Tennessee's defense you can point to some things and say they've been a lot 
you know, I don't know, better or more interesting or aggressive than I guess people thought. They've got stops when they've had to get stops. Yep, they have. So, I mean, it's, it's a matter of, like you mentioned, kind of the hierarchy of the SEC. There's a lot of teams in the middle jockeying around, the Floridas and the Kentuckys. And, you know, Florida beats Tennessee pretty good and then turns around and loses at Kentucky. And now Tennessee's going to go to Kentucky in a few weeks. And that, that the point spread on that game won't be huge, despite nope. the fact that Kentucky's, what, 6-0 and and ranked. And, yeah, because Kentucky doesn't score a lot of points. Right. So, I mean, where this program is just six games into the season, just six games into this Josh Heupel era, uh, and kind of the buzz that is around this game and the feeling that is around campus and all this stuff this week, uh, it, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was uh, on um, on with the the SEC guys um, the other day with uh, with uh, Chris Childers and Aaron Murray and that crew. I know Tennessee fans love Aaron Murray, but uh, you know it, it's they both kind of posed the question to me and said, "Is that Tennessee Kentucky game in a couple weeks a battle for you know the winner gets SEC Coach of the Year?" And I started thinking about it and I said, "You know, you might be right." I mean, we got to see what happens to Tennessee on Saturday. You know, you know, as the British would say, you know, don't don't cock it up down the stretch against uh, against either you know South Alabama or Vandy. But right now, if you hold if you held that vote today, then Mark Stoops is probably, if not the unan if not the unanimous, certainly the winner. Um, you know, by I, I think wide consent he would be. But second, I think you would probably have Heupel right now um, because of what he's been able to do. And like you said, if they couldn't hire Lane, and obviously for many reasons they felt like they couldn't do that, well, then go get the guy who has offense like Lane without the the problems, without the things to worry about. So that that's that's one way to do it. You know, Heupel's never going to win a press conference. He's just not going to do it. His football speaks for itself. The way they play is their voice. That's how they that's how they show you who they are and what they are. I mean, even even when Mike DeBoer was here with Josh Dobbs and they're putting up a million points and so many I mean they had so many athletes on the field, A, they had so much more talent than this team has. But even when Devo was calling so many, you know, really good games, there's always kind of some complaints about play calling. Offensive play calling is yeah. the thing that's going to be picked apart more than anything with any program ever. But with Heupel right now, it feels like the way he calls plays, the way he keeps them off balance, defense is off balance, the way he mixes um, run pass, tempo, side of the field, you know, all that kind of stuff, the way some of the trick plays they mix in, the, the number of times they've schemed receivers open behind a defense is insane to me because there's yeah. not that much talent on this team. I mean, you go back to that South Carolina game, look at the injury report before the game. I joked with Patrick uh, before that kickoff, it felt like more like a NFL 53-man yes. active roster than it felt like a 105 scholarship player. I said the same thing to an NFL scout in the in the press box. I was like, man, Tennessee's got one of like y'all's y'all's uh, dress rosters. Right. I was today. looking for the inactive <laughs> list, like the, the you know, like the NFL puts out every Sunday at like noon. So I mean, what they're doing, it feels like they're so ahead of schedule, very very far ahead of what I thought they would be able to do with the personnel they were given. You know, everything they lost in the portal, everything they had to go get in the portal. Uh, to be here, to have a game like this circled on the calendar, it's, it's pretty special. And I think the biggest reason that for that, before we go to break here, is I, I think they it, it's they do something that's so easy to say but so difficult to do. They focus on what they have, not what they don't have. Because if they wanted to sit there and spend an entire press conference, they could spend an entire day just sitting around their boardroom, you know, their meeting room as a coaching staff, complaining about things they don't have because there are a lot of things they don't have uh, they don't have like right now like a single active natural sec inside linebacker like on the roster they don't have one they've got some outside backers playing inside backer like they don't have that they, they don't have um, more than like six offensive linemen that they feel like they can kind of sort of count on you know, and, and a couple of those guys are dinged up, but, the, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And they're rushing for 253 a game. Yes, they, they don't. I mean, they're down to, uh, you know, like Laneith Whitehead sometimes, you know, is their top choice at running back because the other two guys are hurt. Um, you know, th they've got issues. Like, there are major issues on this team. And every time a guy goes down, unless it's one of those suspicious ones after an extra point, you, you go, like, they can't afford this. Um, but they don't focus on what they don't have. And, you know, I I remember this was maybe in, in the pit game um, because we have to wait sometimes for the for the assistant coaches. They walk by 
when they're going to their box, you know, before, before they're, you know, so we got to get out of the way, kind of let them have their space and go get, go get uh, into their box. And I just overheard a couple of them talking and they were just very matter of factly being like, okay, this guy's out, this guy's out, that guy's out. Okay. So now we've got that guy, that guy, and that guy. Very matter of fact, no eye rolling, no complaining. It was, this is who we got. Let's roll. And, and that, to me, when you focus on what you have and not what you don't have, then you can focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. And these guys are out there throwing punches. They're out there throwing punches with what they got. Uh, and they are difficult to prepare for. And that's something that's going to kind of lead us into the second segment because I, I think there's, there's one thing interesting about this game. And, and I think, you know, the, the, if you want to say the defenses could have an edge in any area, it might just be one. Uh, but we'll come back and we'll talk about that as well as some injury updates, some other things, and then we'll get out of here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Govals 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very pleasant, uh, very, very, uh, maybe unseasonably warm, you could say, uh, but a very, very pleasant early fall afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee will host 13th-ranked Ole Miss on Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I believe SEC Network has the call, and maybe one of the best games SEC Network's going to get all year long. That's, I guess, you know, you had Georgia-Kentucky, you had other games that probably for the national audience made more sense, but for bang for your buck, I mean, this is great. Selfishly, I kind of hate that this game is starting at 7.30 because that's going to make the atmosphere better. But if this is going to be like a six-hour game, which it could be with these two, that's going to be a long night. I don't know. You got to go teach Sunday school, or whatever, in the morning. So that these are these are noon or night vols. Yeah, 20, that's the twenty twenty one story. You're kicking off at noon. You're kicking off at seven thirty. There's really no in between. Yeah, and the the some of the other games are not going to be on CBS because like Bama and Georgia, you can only be on there five times a year. So that's why Tennessee against some of these opponents might not be there. And then later in the year, you might get a random, hilarious Tennessee game on 3.30 that you're like, why is that game on at 3.30? Well, that's the broadcast rules. Got plenty more to discuss here in the second segment. We're going to get to that. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please, and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, no problem at all with that. We love you. Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there is no wrong way to consume the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us out a lot is if you go in there on your 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 laptop, your phone, you know, your your smart tablet, whatever thing you use, whatever technological thing that you use, go in there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this very GoVols 24-7 podcast. And we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love for the most part. But the one thing that we ask for is that if you go in there and rate and review and hit that subscribe button, that helps us out a lot. There is nothing you can do that would help us out more than that. That helps us add wolves to our wolf pack and helps us grow this thing, as we've done consistently since we started it years ago. Grant, I talked about this a little bit 
uh, with Ryan, I believe, on Monday because uh, we usually have Pat on Mondays. We had Ryan this week because we had some recruiting stuff and other things to discuss. But if you're looking for a reason why this might not be like the 55 to 52 game a lot of people think it's going to be, which, hey, mark me down for that. That's fun. That stuff is fun. It'll take a long time to cover, but that's fun. If you're, th- There might be two reasons why this game could 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 be low scoring. The first one is that there are only two defenses in the country that spend every day on the practice field going against an offense that goes this fast. And those two teams are Ole Miss and Tennessee. So they, you know, Tennessee does a lot of uppercut throwing, haymaker throwing in the first quarter. I think what's like 101 to 13 or whatever it right. is. Like they're just crushing people in the first quarter because people are not used to this tempo. Ole Miss also sometimes gets out to fast starts. Now, you saw against, you know, like Bama last year got out to a fast start. This year they didn't. Um, so so that you can adjust to it. But it's like someone told me uh, from around South Carolina uh, last week, said it almost felt like preparing for a service academy. And they didn't mean that like in a derogatory way, but they just meant in the sense that what they're doing is so different from what most people do. You just do. don't see it. You so don't, unique. You can't prepare for it. There's, you cannot – get your scout team defense in a room with a whiteboard in an hour and teach them how to run this offense at this pace. You just can't do it. And I bet the scout teams that are trying it don't have 11 guys set. I mean, they just, it's just hard. Like Georgia struggling with Georgia Tech in November. Yeah. In the past. Basically, The Paul yeah. Johnson era. Or, or like, uh, but sometimes, you know, if you, if you look at the Alabama A&M game, you don't have to be set, apparently, for plays to, <laughs> to count now. You know, apparently you just you, – your left tackle can just be chilling out there. No problem there. But, uh, you know, seriously, that is – one thing that it's not like these defenses should be shock and awe victims like like most defenses are uh, because teams get used eventually to how Tennessee plays and then Tennessee has to kind of have a couple drives that don't work make some adjustments and then they're back to doing their thing because uh, that's when the chess match starts really so that that's one reason the other reason is that there is a through line a very clear through line with these two systems and that is Jeff Levy Ole Miss's offensive coordinator uh, when Heupel got to UCF, that was his quarterback's coach. Then he became his offensive coordinator. Then he left to go uh, with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Then when Josh Heupel gets the job, there was a lot of talk about would he bring Levy with him because a lot of people thought he would. Um, but Levy ultimately stayed, and uh, Heupel brought Alex Golish with him, uh, who was his guy at UCF. And, and so but the bottom line is these guys know what the other wants to do. Now, that has never prevented – until last week – None of Saban's former assistants were ever able to beat him until last week, um, and that was just a crazy, wild game. But somebody finally did it. But this offense has a lot of a lot of things that are difficult to prepare for if you don't have an idea what they're doing. And Jeff Levy very much has an idea what Josh Heupel wants to do. Now, on the other hand, Josh Heupel also has a pretty darn good idea what Jeff Levy wants to do. So at that point, what you're coming down to is a couple of things, in my opinion. Who throws a better wrinkle at the other one? Who throws the better unexpected jab at the other one? And the other thing is very, very simple. Which quarterback's going to play better? And that is where things get tough for Tennessee in this game because as good as Hendon Hooker has been, and I know we've seen all these blind comparisons and yada, yada, here's the numbers. Thinkle Miss probably played a tougher schedule to this point, and Corral is certainly a more proven player than hooker is so that to me that's where things get tough for Tennessee because you can't make a lot of mistakes at quarterback when the other quarterback in the game is Matt Corral I mean it feels like who's going to blink first it feels like who's going to start faster who's going to blink first who's going to make the first mistake who's going to have to kind of find a way to when the air gets taken out of your offense by something happening or defense forces a turnover whatever it is Who's going to blink first, and how do you respond to that? I mean, it feels a lot like the Pittsburgh game where Tennessee and Pitt had not played since the 80s, but Heupel had played Narduzzi four times at UCF. I think it was four times, three times, whatever it was. Now, you know, when was the last time Tennessee played Ole Miss? Ten years ago? It's been a long time. I don't know. And the last time they faced Lane was at Alabama's offensive coordinator in 16. So there's not a lot of, obviously, not familiarity between these two rosters because – and these two teams have not played in forever, or these coaches. But Kiffin did face Heupel twice at UCF when he was at FAU. Uh, UCF beat him pretty good both times. I think there was a 35-point 
half in one of those games. Yeah, um, as, Kiffin alluded, as Kiffin alluded to, he goes, I've seen this offense firsthand. It is right. not fun to face. And, I mean, one of those games he apologized for his team's effort, like basically to the fan base, said from the president on down, like he was, I don't know, embarrassed by the way they played. So, I mean, there's there's not a lack of familiarity between these two systems, between these two coaches, and with Jeff Levy involved. So with the amount of points you want to score and the speed at which you want to score those points – it feels like who's going to make the first mistake. And Tennessee has been prone against Pittsburgh, against Florida, to pile up a bunch of penalties, to shoot yourself in the foot, to, to drop a key fourth down, or to throw that interception uh, to the backside safety when you're trying to drive to tie the game up against Pittsburgh, when Hooker's on the field. So it, it's a matter of who's going to blink first, when that happens, and how you respond to it when it does happen. Yeah, and there's. I, I want to look this up really quickly here. You might hear a little background noise when I'm, when I'm looking this up, but it, I believe – Ole Miss is – there are 130 teams uh, at the FBS level, and Ole Miss is 128th nationally uh, in penalties. Uh, Ole Miss has had, what, they're, they're averaging about – gosh, they're, they're averaging 10 penalties per game. Right. I mean, you can't for, do that in one of these games. You know, that's and, – and that's – And that's something that's been so impressive about Tennessee the last two weeks is they looked awful in penalties for a couple of weeks there against Pittsburgh, against Florida, teams like that. They looked awful in turnovers at times um, earlier in the year. And then you look at the last couple of weeks, it's basically been penalty-free football, give or take a little bit, and basically turnover-free football. Yeah, because I can understand – the penalties more if they were like procedural things in terms of trying to play this offense and trying to you're moving around pieces up front offensively you got a new center in there if it were just those kind of penalties uh, I would be more willing to be like okay I'll live with that but Tennessee's still doing the whole like personal foul thing too much and the whole like holding on on special teams just the really really dumb stuff that you just can't do those are the kinds of things that in, in this game, because of the nature of these offenses and how quickly they move and how many possessions there are, it's not like as many penalties are just killers as they used to be. You know, it wasn't so long ago, last year even, that anytime Tennessee got like a false start on an offensive drive, you were like, Well, that's that. They're not gonna they're not gonna move the sticks now just because they're they can't they can't efficiently block, throw, and catch to move the chains. Now you're like, okay, they can do that. Hendon Hooker's making some, you know, some really accurate throws. He's getting comfortable in this system. He's been the most efficient passer in the SEC this season, and he's on pace right now. Again, they're going to play tougher defenses, but he's on pace right now to have the most efficient passing season of any quarterback in Tennessee history for a single season. I mean, he's had like what five or six, five straight games. Of like, there's a pretty of, good, of like a 150 plus rating. There's a pretty good quarterback too here in the 90s. Yeah, uh, I don't you may know have heard of him. Heard of him? He was, he was pretty good. He, was he pretty, had a big forehead. He was pretty good. Big forehead. You know, watched a lot of film. Didn't throw a lot of spirals, but uh, didn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. So, so Hooker's doing that thing, and he's doing it well. But one thing that's going to be a huge, huge storyline in this game is something that we won't have any idea about until about. 6.45 or 7 o'clock on Saturday, and that is who is playing. Tennessee has proved the past couple weeks that it can do more than we expect without some important guys there. You know, remember at first, Jerome Carvin moving to center really, really threw a wrench into the offensive line because then you, you, were, you were plugging Ollie Lane in it at guard. He was – trying to get his sea legs. Carbon was trying to get used to playing center at this tempo. Led to some mistakes, some issues. They weren't playing at the tempo they wanted. Had some procedural issues. Now Carbon's got it figured out and, and if you can get if you can get Cooper Mays back, now you can go back to your group of him at of him at center, Carbon at guard, and you can go with what you know are your best five. No offense to Ollie Lane, but he you know, he's a sixth or seventh man. You know, they they would like to go with their best five guys, and those would be those five guys. But the biggest question, a guy that they've not had to, to live without, they did once, and it is all right because I guess at the time, but Tyon Evans, his availability for Saturday is a huge deal. Jabari Small, we'll see. Uh, we've I think, Grant, we've all seen this injury with Jabari Small, right? It's, it's one of those classic shoulder injuries that you're probably going to have surgery on after the season and probably miss the next spring or whatever but you just play when you can during the season, and then you have surgery after the season. It just, without being specific, 
it seems like one of those two injuries at shoulder that you just have all players get them. You know, you, every football team I've ever covered has a, a list of at least a handful of guys who have shoulder surgery when the season's over. It's just what the game does. Look at the physics of it. But that injury is kind of a week-to-week monitor it deal. Tyon Evans, when he goes down last week, the amount of pain he was in looked like, I don't know if they can overcome this one if it's bad. But he got up. You know, he walked to the side. Apparently, Josh Heupel, as always, will not tell us the situation. Uh, he just – he's a – Not his thing. It's not his thing. He's a nice guy. To but, say the least. Yeah, but but he knows what the numbers they're dealing with, especially right now. He's just not going to talk about it. And he always knows more the next – like, you know, it's the next day. Oh, yeah. Whatever day of the week you talk to him, add one or two days to that, that's when he'll know more about – He'll uh, know the injury. most the day he doesn't have to talk to you. Yeah, that's, yeah it's exactly right. Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday, man. I, I got a pretty good idea of Friday because, you know what, you don't talk to anybody on Friday. That, But – what he did tell us, he disclosed at least this much. I'll give him credit for this, Grant. He did say that Tyon Evans has practiced more throughout the week, and they have been more optimistic as the week has progressed vis-a-vis his availability. Now, will he be able to play? We don't know, but it looks like things are trending in that direction if we can believe Heupel. Again, we throw this out with a caveat. When Josh Heupel talks about injuries, he's never specific, and a lot of times it's just not the truth. <laughs> it's just, that that it's gamesmanship, uh, and, and it's it's uh, strategic uh, avoidance of the truth. I'm not going to call it lying because if he had like an 85 man roster, I'd be like, all right, now you're just being a jerk. They probably had less than 60 guys available, scholarship guys versus South Carolina. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to kick him in the coin pouch over that. But but that is a huge deal in this game. I mean, that to me is as huge a deal as. You know, will we see, you know, will Tyler Barron really have the, the handbrake taken off of him and will he really be able to play and not just in an emergency, situ- emergency situation because they need him. With Corral in the field, they need Barron in the backfield. They need a guy who's athletic enough and smart enough to keep in his lane and do his job and keep Corral from leaking out of the pocket because Byron Young's starting to play better, but, you know, Tyler Barron's more of a complete player right now. And then on top of that, Evans on offense, huge deal. The good news for Tennessee is is you've lived with some of the worst injuries in terms of personnel missing through the first five, six games of the season. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast over the last month about if you go down the list of guys you don't want to miss games, those guys have missed games. And Tyon is obviously probably at the top of that list. And Byron Young was on that list uh, the first couple games when he wasn't available. And and Tyler Barron is one of those guys where you've you've played with a limited version of him and what's he going to look like the day that he is 100%, and he is, you know, like you said, take the brakes off and, and let him go. So, I mean, that the good news is they've been through that struggle for the last six weeks, and in theory, it can only get better because you've already lived without some of those guys. So they might not get healthy right away, and you might still be without them, but you've lived like that for a while now. So at least this is not new territory with any of these guys. This is not something they haven't had to deal with before a huge game, before a 13th-ranked Ole Miss team comes here and you're trying to find a win and trying to continue this momentum. So I think that's the good news, that they've dealt with this all season, and it's just kind of part of what's going on now. I mean, they they roll out with, like you said, 60 scholarship guys. You get to the stadium on Saturday against South Carolina, and you start going through the list of guys that's in street clothes before the game, and you're wondering, man, does this change this game because of all these guys that are missing? And then they just show up and they put 28 on the board in the first quarter again, and it's 38-7 to at halftime and you leave and people are complaining about a 25-point win, kind of picking apart what didn't go right in the second half. So they're used to this. This is just kind of their life now. Yeah, and last week, for I think we've mentioned this before, at least part of it, either on the podcast or on the board, but last week essentially what they did was they had Tyler Barron, Theo Jackson, and Cooper Mays and maybe one other guy were dressed for the game, um, but they were like fire extinguishers. Basically, they were like break in emergency use only. And I mean, Bar- Theo never even had his helmet yeah. in his hand once the game started yeah. on the sideline. Like he was just there, like it was like a preseason game for a starter. Yeah, like we're NFL gonna, preseason. Yeah, we'll get you loose if it absolutely has to happen because you know we'd rather not, but you know we don't want to do that. And then Tyler Barron, they've been keeping him on the sideline until it's a big spot. Like they had when South Carolina missed that two point conversion or whatever, and they but they're they got momentum. You know, they're close to getting back in that game. They go back out there for that drive or whatever. Tyler Barron's out there. They, they broke that. They broke the glass, and they put him out there. 
And then, boom, he gets in the guy's kitchen sink and, like, almost immediately. So he was ready to go, but they had him kind of on a pitch count and, a you know, emergency use only kind of deal. I think this is the week where there's two different things here. One, if a guy – if you're jeopardizing a guy's health, don't do that. Bottom line, full stop. However, if you're having to be selective and you know – you may only have a few more bullets in the chamber for the rest of the year. This is a game to use them. This is the game to use them because, you know, you got coming up, you've got uh, Georgia and Alabama. What, I, why, why risk them there? I mean, I'm sure those guys want to play because there's a lot of NFL scouts paying attention, and I'm sure you, that's a conversation you're going to want to have. But, but if you're talking about best use of what you have available, this is the game to do it. Uh, Kentucky – with all that physicality, would be a game to do it. Those are the games that those guys could be the difference in winning or losing that game. No offense, I don't think they're going to be the, the difference in winning or losing against Georgia exactly. and Bama. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, stranger things have happened. Tennessee shocked Georgia before. I mean, it, okay. But the this is the week to use them. This is the week to come out with everything you've got, and then you'll deal with Sunday and Monday's training room when you get there. I mean, defensively, specifically because you're looking for such a small advantage defensively yes, that can change this game. I mean, you can get whipped on 80% of the snaps defensively, but if you can get some stops on those 20%, if you can get off the field and get your offense back out there and maybe score some points as quickly as you think you can, that changes the game. I mean, if Tennessee goes down and scores 14 quick points in the first quarter – 14 nothing. I mean, that changes the trajectory of the first half completely because Ole Miss from there is playing catch-up with one of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, that's that's the difference to me in this game is the def- defenses. And I don't know if the numbers can lie, and, you know, you don't, you don't have the same common opponents leading into this game. But, I mean, total defense, Mississippi's 12th in the SEC. Tennessee is 9th. Not that great, but still better than Mississippi. And the numbers are significantly better. Right, pass defense, of- Tennessee's 12th, Ole Miss is 13th, whatever. That's a wash. Uh, rush defense, Ole Miss is 12th, Tennessee's 7th. 7th's not bad in the SEC. I mean, Ole Miss has given up 193.6 yards per game. If Tennessee can run for 200, I mean, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a big deal. And scoring defense, Ole Miss is 12th, and Tennessee is 6th. I mean, Tennessee's defense is not great, but being 6th and scoring defense through six games makes me think that they get a lot of tackles for a loss, they force some turnovers, and sometimes they bend and don't break. Yeah, and the start for this game, you could say this for every single week, um, duh, Wes, duh. But in, in terms of the in terms of the the start of this game, you're gonna have a hundred, you know, one hundred two, four five five, or whatever in the building. They're gonna be checkerboarded. It's gonna be, you know, they're gonna have a full day to to pregame and get lubed up. They're gonna be ready to go, right? They're gonna be lathered. Yeah, they're gonna be lathered up. They're good to go, like a Spartan going into to war. They're ready to. They're lathered up and ready to rock, but. If they, if you don't take advantage of that and you don't jump on Ole Miss early, or even worse, Ole Miss jumps on you, then you get into that part where the one hundred two four five five becomes more of a problem than a help because you got people groaning. You can feel the energy kind because of because the deflate. wind is sucked out of the stadium. Yeah, and that's just like playing. That's awkward when you got that many quiet people because Ole Miss, I think, has returned some tickets. Not going to be a ton of Ole Miss fans there. Going to be a lot of orange and white. And, you know, smoky gray and black and, and whatever else. But you're going to have that checkerboard going on. You're going to have that energy going on. But if you're Tennessee and if you get behind by a couple scores early in this game, that still gets you back to the part where I feel like you start to get a little concerned about Hendon Hooker because that's not his strength. His strength is not – traditionally, he is an infinitely better quarterback when you have to worry about his legs. That opens up the pass – that opens up, and that makes him more efficient in that way because it's kind of a, a side dish. You know, it's not that when the, when the main course is him dropping back in the pocket and throwing the ball against the defense that knows he's throwing the ball, maybe he's a – his numbers are better now, so maybe he's more equipped to handle that. But traditionally, you know, Grant, we've all seen him play at Tech. We know that that's not his strength, right? You know, you saw against Pitt. That's still not his strength. So that, to me – the first, like, 10 minutes of this game are really big. Yeah, I mean, Heupel, I think Wednesday, discussed kind of that first quarter stuff they've been doing the last couple weeks, and he basically said you can have a 28-point second quarter or a third quarter or a fourth quarter. It doesn't really matter when it happens. It just has to happen. 
But they haven't done that in in the other right. quarters. They have not done that. So they're going to have to have that start. I feel like we talked about this for the Pittsburgh game. You got to have that fast start. You got to keep the crowd in it. They jumped out to a ten nothing lead uh, really quickly with that block punt and a field goal, and and the wind got sucked out of the you know stadium later on in the game when when mistakes started happening. So they're going to little, little lemon booty. They're going to have to have answers, and they're going to have to. Um, the environment's going to be there and the buildup and the buzz is there for this game, but they're going to have to ignore that and play like it's not there and play like they have the last couple of weeks where they're one of the ignored games in the, in the SEC when it's not the biggest, one of the bigger games on the schedule, one of the more interesting matchups. Uh, I think Hypel and Volkov said something about kind of the mistakes they made early on penalties and turnovers wise was maybe a little bit of dealing with the, um, the situation, the environment in those games. Sure. They cannot have that against Ole Miss. They're going to have to, look a lot more like they did against Missouri where it looked like it didn't matter what Missouri did, they had an answer for it. They're going to have to figure out a way to put those drives together. It doesn't have to be a 28-point quarter, but you can't have a third quarter against South Carolina where you have some three and outs and and you look kind of dead. You're going to have to score, score a lot, have answers consistently, and avoid those patches where it's three and out and you know trying to get a stop on defense. But if you can get a lead in this game and if you can keep that crowd into it, then you can really maybe give some problems to an Ole Miss team that has some some discipline issues. At that point, you know, you look at a team that's averaging 10 flags for 90 yards a game, you can get up on that team early and you can put pressure on that team and you can have 102,000 people screaming and cussing at them before every snap. You, you could probably do some damage there to that offense. Now, I bet they're going to go as quickly as possible to counteract that. Because that's what Tennessee did in the swamp. That's what I love tempo offense on the road in a hostile environment because you're not relying on verbal communication as much. You're just getting the signal and going. You don't give the crowd time to like take a sip of the beer, you know, get ready to go and then start making a lot of noise late in the play clock. You don't, you know, because that's what we're used to, right? Like you go into a huddle a little bit, you know, the team comes out and then you start making a lot of noise. Well, if they just get up on the ball and go then you're not ready to right. yell, just like the defense isn't ready for the snap. Neither are you in the crowd. So that, to me, is a fascinating plot here because whoever gets up early you know, kind of completely changes the game. And it's like Heupel said Thursday, right? Every game is kind of its own thing. And you mentioned Mike DeBoard early. Uh, best wishes for him. I know it's been a tough time for him and his family right now. But he said every game has its own flavor, right? And you never know until it starts what that's going to be. So – we will have our predictions, uh, but they will be on Friday morning, as usual. Uh, so we're not going to give them away there. I'll be honest right now, I still think, if you put a gun to my head, I, I still kind of think Ole Miss has the better team. Ole Miss, I think, has a little bit more depth in some areas. I, I just And Corral as a quarterback is just so good. Um, but again, Ole Miss has got to stop Tennessee, so we'll see if that happens. It's, nothing in this game would surprise me. I don't, regardless of what I pick – the only thing that would surprise me is like a 49 to three, right? Anything other than that would not surprise me. So either one of these teams could win this game by a couple touchdowns or a few touchdowns or 20 points. It wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. So it's cliche to say fans, you know, when a coach says we need the fan base, we need, we need the atmosphere to be great in this game and all this really that I think that could change the game. How, hard it is, how difficult of a place it is to play at Neyland Stadium Saturday night. I agree. And there's a lot more we could discuss, but we'll have to save that for Saturday, or I guess there's no way Saturday. It'll be a Sunday uh, post-game pod for this one. I know uh, we got to get out of here because Grant's got to get over to uh, basketball practice. Uh, we, we got some stuff we all got to do this afternoon, so we're going to go ahead and step out there. Unless you got anything else to say, Grant, I don't know if you do. I got nothing. I'm not going to be dismissive because I did that and it failed. You don't know yet. It might not fail. Well, they got a chance to win. I didn't think they had a chance to win a couple weeks ago. Well, I'm here to eat my crow. Just let me eat it. You should have been quiet, and then if, if Ole Miss wins by 20, you can go, see, I told you. I should have been quiet. There you go. First time in your life you talked when you shouldn't have. It's usually the other way around. That's why I don't talk. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Grant. See you. And thank you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which is working again now. Thanks to Zuckerberg and those guys for doing at least one thing right in their lives. We're, we're back up there. We're good to go there. So you can go to Facebook.com slash GoVols247 and get stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, just Ronnie Millsap, Smoky Mountain style, delicious spring water, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting. Uh, tons of that stuff coming up right now, obviously. Tennessee baseball, always stuff to talk about with them now. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. We've got two forms that run around the clock. We've got the checkerboard and the summit, where for 24 hours a day and seven days a week, you can go on there and talk to not only us as, as the, the employees of the site, uh, the moderators on the board also are there. You've also got thousands of Tennessee fans from across the world. Just about every freaking time zone that exists, there's a Tennessee fan there wanting to talk ball with you. And you can talk anything on that site you want, as long as it's not political or religious in nature. That's what separates us as a board, is we don't argue those things on that board. But you can get all of that, you know what, a couple dozen fresh content items just about every day, the best database in all of college sports, plus all those things I just mentioned a second ago, all of that costs less than one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And that's after a seven-day free trial. And if after that trial you pay us that reasonable rate, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, which means there's even more. That's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket for free. Every show CBS has ever made commercial free. Uh, exclusive shows like uh, Evil, you know, Picard, the, the Star Trek stuff, exclusive movies, you know, uh, you got like, you know, Infinity, you got, uh, you got Quiet Place 2, you got Queen Pens, that's a funny movie, you got all kinds of stuff, classics, classics like the Indiana Jones movies, so many things, some, some Bond movies are on there, so many classic things are on there, plus new stuff, brand new stuff. Also stuff from the catalogs of MTV, BET, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, and Comedy Central. So something for everyone in the family. Plus live sports. Tennessee sports, SEC sports, NFL, PGA Tour, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Cup qualifiers. All of that, plus more. Everything. $100 plus. In this economy right now, you don't have to worry about the supply chain with this. Not at all. Just go there and take advantage of it. GoVols247.com and we will get you squared away. If nothing else, you should hear from us on Sunday after that late night game Saturday. So unless there's big breaking news on Friday. So until then, guys, uh, just just be good to each other. Try a little basic human empathy in your lives. Take it for a spin. You, you might like how it feels. You might like how it sounds. Stop being rude to each other. We're all tired of that. See you.